1: Today we start winding down our series, A Nation Immoral Crisis, God's Game Plan for Perilous Times. Join us, Truth For Today, coming up next. Once you have a healthy understanding of our fallen nature, our fallen sinful nature, it shouldn't surprise us, then, when we see morality decay and decline. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. A Nation in Moral Crisis is the title of our series. Today and tomorrow, we'll wrap our series up with a look at God's game plan for perilous times. If you'll join us, we're in 2 Timothy, Chapter 3. The Apostle Paul has some insight here. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, from Valley Bible Church in Hercules here's Pastor Phil Howard.
2: I want to speak on uh, God's game plan for perilous times. We're living in them, and they're not brand new to us. I like to think they're brand new, but according to 2 Timothy 3, we've been living with them for 2,000 years as a church. Uh, It hasn't been that hot in America. Because God for over 250 years has just given us a canopy of protection, of liberty. And uh, when you have pilgrims fleeing monarchies that were tyrannical. When you had uh, many French Huguenots uh, fleeing France. And the uh, British be going back and forth between Protestant, Catholic, persecution. no perse- They came here whether you like it or not, and don't buy all the revisionists rewriting all the books. They came, could we go somewhere, even if it's a wilderness, and practice our faith uh, and not be persecuted? And God for over 250 years has done that. It's been remarkable. But not all is safe in all the world these 2,000 years. And Paul, all the way back, In uh, about 50 A.D., he writes to his son in the faith, Timothy. And Timothy is a pastor at Ephesus. And Ephesus is a dangerous town. They had an idol-worshiping business there dedicated to Diana. Uh, Paul gets arrested while he's in Ephesus, uh, Acts 19. And uh, he starts writing to this young pastor that struggle with timidity at times. And he says four things I want to look at in chapter 3 through 4, 5. I'm going to move. It's going to be a verse by verse. Me try to go deeper and drier than anyone's ever done. I'm going to just, I want you to get the flow of what he's saying. That he starts out and he names about 21 perils of the age. 21 things. And we'll look at that. And go through that list and see. And then he, uh, he mentioned that a part of the age is the church in this age will be persecuted. He never said it would be prosperous. And if it is, so be it. Wonderful. But there's never been any hiding from Christ on to be godly in a pagan world. Can be dangerous. And so he mentions there are persecutions that come with people who profess the name of Christ. You may have never suffered that. You're just mad that someone didn't shake your hand. You know, we're whippy. But God's church has suffered throughout history. And then he says something, I think, a marvelous compliment. That we look quickly at parents in the perilous times. What a mother and grandmother were able to do to a child called Timothy. And finally, he tells pastors what they ought to be doing. And all of you want to hear that, don't you? Tell him what he ought to do. Uh just read a book lately, Dangerous Calling, that says present-day pastoral requirements are 21 things that the pastors have to do if for boards to call them. And I'm so glad I started this church. I didn't have to go through that. Let's uh, look at the perils that he... And it's a quick list here. The symptoms of the last days. And by the way, when did the last days begin? A, eh? 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Children, it is a last kind of hour. Wait, but that's 2,000 years ago. It's the last kind of hour. First Peter 4, 7. The end of all things have drawn nigh. You hear that? The end of all things have drawn nigh. First Peter 4, 7. What should we do? Build a fallout shelter. Move to Montana. Hide. And he tells them what they ought to do. James chapter 5. The judge is standing at the door and he's ready to come through. You better pay your workers what you owe them. You better be honest in financial dealings. And in chapter 5, he says, the judge is at the door. That's 2,000 years ago. So we've been in the last kind of hour for 2,000 years. Do you think we're in the final hours? For 2,000 years, the church has been thinking any moment Christ could come, any moment the judge could step through the door, and he could have, and he could even today. We don't know. We don't know. But we've been in final days. And what will these final days be like? But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Now, when a person is totally in love with himself, it's going to be hard on you. It's hard to live with narcissistic, hedonistic, self-centered, self-esteem, I am a God kind of people. And we actually have theologies going around, I am a God. Get into the word of faith. And hear Kenneth Hagin. I am a God. No you're not. There's one God. And he's not made of dirt. Our God is above the heavens. He's above us. We want to bring him down. But we need to be brought up. Lovers of self. And when you love self. You love money. It's the root of every kind of evil. It says. Proud. Proud. Arrogant, abusive, blaspheming. He goes on to say they're disobedient to their parents. Have you ever heard of so much of that? I just had a man call me here the other day. He said, my 17-year-old boy and I had it out today. Yeah? He says, kind of bad. We wound up wrestling on the floor in the front room. Kind of upset my wife. We had a physical fight. I'm a deacon in a church. My son says he's a Christian. He's left. He's been gone for three days. What should I do? You don't want to know what I said. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. And that word ungrateful means irreconcilable. You can never work out anything with them. It's more than thanks. It's a word that, that they admit to no truce. It's never over. I saw guys that way uh, in school. If you had a fight with them, no matter if you won or lost, it would never be over. The next day they'd come back. You just never stop. you just a little bulldog. Just keep coming back. Can't be reconciled. It's not over. It's not over. I'm Unholy. Without natural affection, which is a word, listen to this word, very simple, a-storke. You hear that? The word storke means family. And it simply says, without family love. Without love of kin. Of one's own children. Of one's own family. And they will be without natural, they don't even love their own. Because they're so in love with themselves unappeasable, slanderers. These are people that are always uh, dividing. They promote quarreling. They like to always have an issue. Let, let, come on, let's have a fight. Let's find something to disagree about. You can't just be marching step. I'm not gonna be a part of the herd. I disagree because you're disagreeable. And there's personalities like that. You see, I, I'm just saying, yeah. They ruin every relationship if you have to put up with them. Incontinent, meaning no control. Brutal, they're not tamed. They're They're savage in their behavior. Haters of good, no law can control them. They hate what's good. Even good law, good rules, they hate it. Betrayers. And Paul was seeing this. It was used of those who would betray others, break oaths, and sell out. They would sell you out. And of course, this was happening even in the church, turning in fellow believers and seeing them get killed. They were reckless, or rash, and that once again were people that with quick decisions and no forethought and. They would stir up, keep, they, they were rash in their decisions, rash in their answers, and just characterizes the people of the age. Conceited, which literally meant to fill up with smoke. They're full of self-importance, full of inflated views of themselves. Humility, I love what C.S. Lewis said, humility comes to not even think about itself. Pride always thinks of the other person, and this is the way it does. I'm better than you. Because pride is never content to be as good as you. You've got to be better. Pride is a, you know, you go, you think you've got a nice house until you see someone with one better. Then discontent sets in. Ooh, you know, we need to upgrade our house. Well, man, you were happy before we visited Don't take your wife to visit people with nice houses. (laughs) Keep them contented. Keep them poor. Keep them (laughs) oppressed. No, but, you you know, you've got contentment because pride feeds on comparison. I'm better than you. I'm more right than you. Wait, and Lewis says, the proud man is a man that ceases to even think about himself. But humility always esteems other people better than oneself. That's Romans 12, 12, 3. Humility always elevates other people. Pride always pushes them down. You know when you're humble, when you quit thinking about writing a book on it, you just learn to forget yourself. That's the best answer. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God there was a book written by a neo Postman several years ago called Amusing Ourselves to Death. Amusing Ourselves to Death. Is it not amazing how much pleasure, amusement, every hour we try to pack into our lives? I mean, I have to tell myself, uh Carol, it's great at it. Don't turn on any music. Let's just have it quiet. No, I've got to hear music. I don't. I like it quiet. And look at our kids with all these devices. I'm for a moratorium for all young people under 19, no devices for one month. Then they have to talk. They have to talk to your parents. I just saw an interview with a couple that they text each other in the house. They're married, but they text. And they were texting, not this scene, this is on TV. They were texting while they were in bed. (laughs) And then in verse 5, he said, they have empty religion. They keep religious. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. They're great. I am this, I am that. But they live like the devil. They don't have a religion that can change their life, but they've got a religion. Uh, I've, I've been witnessing through one person. I can't get very far with them because they've got their religion already. Do you know what I mean? That they're already in good standing because they've signed up here and has it changed your life. He said, they have this appearance of godliness, but said, avoid such people. And then he says... These people are not only have a powerless religion. There's a bunch of teachers that creep into household. And capture weak vulnerable women. Burdened with sins. No telling what those sins were. And they lead them astray. Take advantage of their passions. Their vulnerability. Their weakness. And they use them. They become sexual. They they enslave them. They take their money. And they're all doing it in the name of religion. Religious teachers. Always check out false teachers where the money is and what they're doing about sex. False teachers will always come and change morals and they always want your money. Don't, Don't be fooled. And he goes on. They're always learning but they never come to the truth but my, they, they're always learning. And they're like Janies and Jambries who oppose Moses. These were the uh, uh, Egyptian magicians that opposed Moses before Pharaoh, and they threw down their rods, and it turned into a snake. And they're taking on Moses. He's not a spokesman for God. He's not authority of God. And so these are mocking true men of God, true biblical authority, and they're They're making fun of it. They're men of corrupt minds. They're disqualified in the faith. And they're corrupting the church wherever Paul went. They'd follow up false teachers. And we've got them all over the country, all over the world. Want your money? Might want your wife. You better be careful. Full of religion, powerless, no change. They're just in the religious racketeering business. And he said, these will characterize the times, Timothy. You've got to be on the alert. You've got to be on the watch out because they're perilous times. And this will characterize the pagan world in which you're planting a church. And you must beware. This is the way the pagans are living. It's the way Americans are living without God. They're they're in the trap of these perils. Now the church has been planted in such a world. And he said, I want you to make it in the world. I want to keep you in the world. But no, these are the attitudes, the lies that we are living with every day. And then he goes on to say, by the way, Timothy, you know it's cost me something to be an apostle. I've been persecuted, and he starts telling him, and I'm moving right through the text. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystria. Which persecutions I endured yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and, be, and being deceived. But you've learned from me. And you firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And he talks about you learned it from a suffering apostle. The credentials of the church today is where you graduated from seminary. Nobody asked me to show my scars. I don't have any. Do you? The book of Acts church did. I said a few weeks ago that Eusebius said during church persecution... Especially under Diocletian. He he unleashed 10 persecutions on the church. Killed thousands of our brothers and sisters. And uh, the mark of a true pastor in those days was they bore in their body scars. Paul said in Galatians 6, I bear in my body the stigmata of Christ. I've been wounded. I actually have actual wounds I could show you where I've been stabbed beaten, and I've often wondered what his face looked like. He's been called an ugly little Jew. I wonder how you would do if you were stoned at Derby. How would your back look like if you'd been beaten three times with 39 stripes? Can you imagine? Uh, the Romans actually knew how to beat you to death. That he even survived 39 stripes. had three times he did this. One time stoned. Shipwrecked and held on to a log in the Mediterranean for three days and three nights. Led out of a city over the city wall in a basket that he may escape. Persecution, stonings, spittings, ridicule, thrown out, thrown over. Timothy, you learned your faith from me. I was the chief teacher in your life. It wasn't my Cadillac that I showed you. I showed you my scars. I showed you what the gospel was worth. I would even suffer for it as I have. I was converted, you know, the gospel was planted in me by a wonderful preacher named Stephen that I consented to a stoning and I held the garments of those stoning him. I watched a man die in the faith. And I heard him say, Father, don't, don't charge it to these men. I, I, I was first witnessed to by a martyr of the church. Would the gospel get known in West County based upon us and our courage? Are, are we in perilous times in Supreme Court? Blasphemous decisions. Will we retreat? Well, we hide, and I've felt, I've felt both anger, sometimes you, you want to fly, get away, but it's easier to curse the darkness than it is to light a candle. Curse the Supreme Court. So what? Nero's going to kill the writer of this book. This preacher was beheaded for the gospel. Did you hear me? He was decapitated. The greatest preacher to the Gentile world, this little Jewish man that God saved on the Damascus Road, I will seal my life's work in the Mamertine prison and I will obey the orders of Nero and I will walk to my decapitation. When's the last time a pastor in West County was stoned, whipped, or imprisoned for the gospel? In China, the communists said, we will gather up every house church pastor that we could find. The state churches were eliminated. Nothing could be in uh, the main cities. And of course, they went underground, the house church movement. But then they would send spies, and they began to capture them. Thousands of them were imprisoned. Dave Ekman goes over there now and he keeps meeting these house church pastors that remember Mao. And they went underground. And the story of the Chinese church is how many of our pastors were killed. How many of our pastors were killed? Iran. I've got an assembly of God man that tells me about the Iranian pastors being killed. Those beheaded in Egypt. All over. They say the 20th century saw more Christian martyrs than any other century. Guess what happened? By the time any liberties came to China and the bamboo curtains started coming down, the church had exploded while all the pastors were in prison.
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard.